You get these questions a lot. Where are you from? And what do you do? That's what you get asked, right? Meeting someone new, if you're at a party, or maybe on your dating profile. So why not just tell the world? We just launched a brand new online store that tells people where you're from and what you do. It has all 50 U.S. states and some countries represented with physical therapist gear at ptpinecast.com. A stainless steel tumbler for a PT in Tennessee. Check. South Carolina PT t-shirts. Double check. Face masks for a Florida PT. Yeah, we got that. Great gear for life, all with your profession and the home state on it. Great gifts for yourself, a colleague, a clinical instructor, a student, all now at ptpinecast.com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, back with another episode here on PT Pinecast. Before we get started, do you want to say thanks to our friends from CBDRX4U.com, your CBD store. Get the ABCs of CBD. You know your patients are using this a lot of places over the counter for stress, wellness, uh, sleep, just lifestyle, just trying it because uh, someone said they could. Uh, what's that going to do to their treatment? How's it going to affect their treatment, their course of treatment? What's it going to do? Unless you 100% know, probably get educated. Uh, find the ABCs of CBDs at CBDRX4U.com. Plus, we're also giving away some pint glasses very soon. Get signed up for those online at PTPintCast.com. Great episode today. Something that's very important. We're talking about ways to really transform society and advance the profession through grassroots outreach. How to amplify DEI strategies, turn them into action. Talking about it's one thing. Knowing you have to do it's one thing. Putting those in direct action, a completely different thing. So without further ado, and you know how much I like a do, let's start the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live. This is PT Pinecast, a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories here in the world of physical therapy. I'm Jimmy McKay. I'll be your host. Find us online at PT Pinecast on Twitter, Facebook, on Instagram. You've got it there. Also, to stream these things live on all the platforms, weeknights at uh, weeknights on Wednesdays, 7 and 8 Eastern. Uh, love for you to subscribe to the show so you never miss a valuable episode. Tonight, the guest, a sports physical therapist, adjunct instructor at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and serves as a delegate to the American Physical Therapy Association's House of Delegates and is the Centennial Scholar for the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy. Yeah, she does all that at the same time. Uh, let's welcome her into the studio, Deidre Debnam. Deidre, welcome to the Hi, show. Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy. Happy to be here tonight with you. I had to take a breath in the middle of your introduction. It's a lot of stuff that you do. <laughs> it is a lot of stuff. It is. Absolutely. But it's good work. I, I enjoy it. And um, it's very fulfilling. Love that. Uh, Deidre, we want to start off by by talking about something that you did recently that got a lot of people's attention, both in the room and outside the room. And I think that's that's very telling when you do something and people talk about it. It, it means it was and it's one of my favorite words. It means it was remarkable, worthy of making a remark about. And this thing that you did was a presentation for students. And I wanted the audience to, to learn more about it. Can you tell what can you tell us about it? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, this was back in December, I believe. I did a presentation to some high school students um, with the Area Health Education Centers. So it's an organization that helps educate students about uh, careers in healthcare and medicine. And so I had the opportunity to do a presentation to this group of students. I think it was only about 50 students or so. And they heard from multiple healthcare professionals, um, physicians, surgeons, and then um, me as a physical therapist as well. And I love the opportunity to talk about what I do, um, especially because it increases awareness about PT, which is a profession not everyone knows a lot about. And I did the presentation. It was like a 30 minute presentation over Zoom because this was in December and everything is, was still pretty much virtual at the time. And the coordinator for the program, the following week, she sent me the feedback from the students. And I was so amazed by the feedback and really just like in shock and awe because they heard from multiple professionals in medicine and a lot of the feedback said that they really enjoyed the PT presentation the most. And so I was really excited about that. That was really my first time doing a formal presentation to high school students, especially over Zoom. And so I was really trying to think about ways to make it engaging and not bore them because these students are already on Zoom for school. And then they're doing this evening program and on Zoom for another couple of hours. And apparently it worked. All right. So you got, I mean, first of all, congratulations. Number one, giving a presentation is a skill and there's some talent involved. So congratulations for doing it well. You also did it through Zoom, which can be a great way to deliver something. It can also be a difficult way to receive information, especially when you're doing, you know, a bunch of Zoom meetings or a bunch of presentations in a row. So I got to know, like, what do you think was the thing that resonated? Like what, what was in the, what was in the secret sauce? Yeah, so I think for, for students, especially high school students, I think you have to captivate them with your energy and excitement about the topic yourself. If you come into the presentation and you're kind of just humdrum going through it, they're kind of going to have the same reception to yeah. the material as well. And so I really think finding ways to be engaging, energetic. Um, and then I also incorporated some interactive activities. So I asked them about what their hobbies were, what sports do the people, the kids play, or do they play an instrument and things of that nature. And of course, everyone loves talking about the things that they enjoy doing. And then I was able to relate that back to physical therapy and how physical therapists help keep people moving and doing the things that they love. I also bring in some celebrities who've had physical therapy before, and, you know, kids, Kids stay up to date on trendy celebrities and things uh -huh. of that nature, athletes and everything like that. And so I, I try to bring in things that I think may interest uh, the audience. And that was one way to do it. And um, I think just engaging with them. And then, of course, at the end, high school students, they love competition. So I did a little trivia game at the end using Kahoot. And it was a good way to test if they were listening or, you know, paid attention during the presentation and then also a way to reward some kids for um, or just acknowledging them for being very attentive and understanding the information I presented. I mean, I love when people do something remarkable, um, when it resonates. And then if you ask them what happened, the answer is always something super basic. So you paid it. You made it about them. How many times do people walk into situations and like, hey, I'm here to tell you about me. 
Now, I'm not saying don't introduce yourself. What I'm saying is make sure I can put myself in this story and go, oh, okay, I can see myself somewhere. This is something mm -hmm. that I can see myself in or how this would relate to me. Then you made it about something they were interested in by putting it in context. I mean, how many times have we had smart professors giving you lots of information, maybe leaving it out of context, and then there's you, you have to you're putting those pieces together yourself. So you put it in context using, you know, athletes or people, uh, you know, in pop culture who maybe have received physical therapy. And then you made it fun. A lot of times people forget that F word. That's a good F word. Like you made it fun with Kahoot at the end of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've given more presentations since then. And so I'm always trying to think of new ways to make it more engaging and, and fun. And so I've had these ideas about incorporating some of our physical fitness tests that we may use in the clinic, like see who can do the most in terms of a 30 second chair stand test or who has the best balance among people in the, um, the audience. And so I'm always trying to think of new ways to make it fun and engaging uh, for students. Just sounds like you're thinking about the audience and what they would find engaging and what they would find valuable, which is that word I always like to come back to, which is I would some people will people will stand in the cold to buy concert tickets. They'll stand in line all night or to buy an iPhone. What they're telling you is that is valuable. And if you've got something that people Absolutely. aren't standing in line for, just ask yourself, like, are you is it number one, is it valuable? Number two, are you clearly communicating that value that, that that will bring? And obviously, you are constantly thinking about how can I change this presentation to make sure my communication is clear? Because we know the profession of physical therapy is valuable to pretty much anybody, and you're putting it in context. So I love that. So kudos for uh, on you for doing that. Anybody who does this, like Deidre here, um, it benefits us. The rising tide lifts all ships. So you helping the profession wherever you are in North Carolina is also helping us everywhere. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. It's a, it's a pleasure. And I, I have to mention, um, once I started doing these presentations, I was thinking, how can I make it more impactful? I'm just one person in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so since then, I've actually... Uh, put together a team of liaisons to work with this statewide organization. And so I have a team of seven individuals across the state who help facilitate these student recruitment presentations and really excited about the summer months um, because there's a lot of student programs that take place during the summer and us being able to do some greater outreach that way too. Good for you. You are recruiting people who have the same passion and who want to say, have the same goal, which is share good information. And you're creating a very clear path for them to do it. And people gravitate towards that. So good on you for doing that. Oh, I forgot to ask you the most important question, the most, the hardest question we usually ask first, but we'll ask it second this time. Uh, what are you drinking? So I have a Chardonnay. Nice. Um, I'm not usually a white wine um, person. I, I tend to stick with the reds. But my mom was here a few weeks ago and she left some Chardonnay here and that's really all we had in the fridge. So I was like, well, I guess I'll be bringing this out tonight. We do, we do not discriminate. I do like some white wine as well. Exactly. It was a gift for mom, <laughs> so you got to drink it. Uh, I am doing, I don't know if you've ever heard, have you ever heard of a Shandy? It's half lemonade, half beer. It's from Line and Kugel. Uh, upon, I have not. Upon first hearing of it, I was like, that is going to be the worst beer ever. And then I tasted it and I was like, ooh, I am going to, I'm going to keep this closed. So cheers to you with your white wine in, uh, in Charlotte and I'll drink my cheers. Shandy. Cheers. York, cheers. 
Uh, thanks to our friends at Owens Recovery Science for bringing you the first round. Uh, leaders in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. If you want to get certified in, with BFR in your clinic and the equipment you need to use it uh, to, to employ it properly in your clinical practice, OwensRecoveryScience.com. They've also got their uh, own podcast on iTunes. Uh, you tipped off uh, the audience that you do some stuff as well with uh, the APTA of North Carolina. They were tweeting you left and right like an hour ago. Those guys were really sharing things about you. They were pumped to have you come on the show. What do you get to do with uh, APTA North Carolina and that group? Yeah, so I love my APTA North Carolina peeps. Um, so I first I serve as a delegate to the APTA House of Delegates with the, really one of the best delegations, I think. I may be biased, um, but I serve in the North Carolina delegation. I'm also uh, the Piedmont District Chair um, for APTA North Carolina. So P the Piedmont District consists of Charlotte and uh, surrounding areas around the Charlotte area too. And then also I serve in the APTA North Carolina DEI committee. Um, and so we're doing some really great work and I'm really excited about the progress that we're, we're uh, working to achieve before the end of the year and then even past 2021. All right. So, so let's talk about DEI. We, we've been talking about, I feel like this year has gone into like, why we started with why, why is this important? And then everybody looked around the room and everybody started, most people started nodding and saying, yeah, okay, important, important, important. So we went from why we said, yes. Then we said, what? And I feel like things were starting to come together, but that's where strategy really is. It's the what and the how. So how do we take DE&I strategies, formalize them and get them into action. You know, you working with the, the committee in North Carolina, give some people some, some tangible things that they can do so they can transform these strategies into action because without strategy and action, there is no change. Absolutely. And that's a very important point because like you said, a lot of conversations are being had, but we got to get some action items down too. And so I think one of the most important things is once we have identified a strategy, we have to identify action items that work us towards our ultimate outcome or end goal. And so putting some short-term goals along the way to kind of guide those actions too, and then have a bigger, large, uh, long-term goal as well, I think really helps you get specific about action items and give you almost like a, a time base to work off of. And so I think developing those action items is important. And then also realizing it takes the work of more than one person, yeah. more than just the committee, really. We, we really have to mobilize um, members uh, to really help us put this into action. And I think one thing that I'm, I'm realizing, especially with the student outreach and student exposure concept, is that people are willing to do, um, do, do the work but they want to feel competent in the work that they're doing and have the resources to do it. And so that's really one thing um, in developing this team of liaisons that I really wanted to be intentional about doing was developing um, kind of like a, a knowledge base and really just a set place where people can find the resources. So if they want to give a presentation, they don't have to be burdened by putting together. I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, one of those people who wants to protect my work. I've shared my presentation with multiple people, a lot of people, and if that helps get the word out and brings more people into the uh, the action component of things, 
it's it's definitely worth it. And I feel like that's going to help um, drive those strategies into action. So developing some action items, some some short term, long term goals related to the outcomes you want to see, and then getting a team of people um, who are committed to the work and giving them the resources to do it, I think is really important. What's what's something what's long term success with diversity, equity, and inclusion look like to you? Like, let's go five to 10 years out, right? I heard a really great goal the other day and I'll share it after yours because I'm interested because if you're working now, you've got to have a vision for that. I want I'm interested in, in what yours is. Absolutely. So I like to see more underrepresented minorities applying to physical therapy school and successfully matriculating through physical therapy school because that's what going that's what's going to give us a more diverse workforce and have a profession that better reflects the populations that we serve in the communities that we serve and ultimately provide better access to healthcare and help address some health disparities as well. I love that. I mean that is that is actionable and you can go you can now work backwards and say how do we get to those things? I would say probably first would be give presentations uh, by uh, enthusiastic physical therapists to students. So you're already probably, that's probably on your list, which is why you're doing that. I heard an interesting long-term goal and I won't say from who, because I didn't ask for her permission to say this, but her goal was I d- in 10 years, I don't want there to be someone who is in charge of DE and I in large organizations. What she was saying was she didn't, it needs to be baked into the bread Right now, it needs to be focused on. Someone needs to be in charge. Someone needs to monitor and goes, are we doing, we're doing something, right? We said we were going to do something. We laid out a plan. Who's doing it? Her long-term goal, and she was speaking five, 10 years from now was, I would like that person to work themselves out of a job because it was so well done that it is now the thing. That would be amazing. Make it a part of organization's identity so you don't, need someone to to really have to strategically plan for ways to incorporate it yeah i i I love that and that's that i feel like that's a very it's a very high reaching goal but um i think it's achievable it's just going to take a lot of work right and and and, but you also mentioned that it's not just the people running the committee this needs to be everybody needs to pull along and because if you're not pulling in the same direction we're we're still we're still feeling resistance. You you work within uh, the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy DNI committee as well. What are some things you're getting to do there? Because you're doing it on a state level, which is pretty interesting. State level, as well as an academy, right? A component of the APTA. Similar groups, but definitely not the same, right? Different goals, different structure, makeup, right? Geography, not really a thing in uh, in, the, in the sports academy. So, what are some things you're getting to do there? What's the focuses, and 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 what's the direction you're going? Yeah, so the the DEI committee with the Academy of Sports PT, we're still pretty young. I want to say just over two years. I think it was CSM Denver where we kind of formally became a committee. And um, but still uh, excited to to be working with those folks from across the country. We even have a committee member who just moved outside of the country. Um, but wonderful group of people to work with. And the mission for that committee is to increase diversity among membership and leadership uh, within the Academy of Sports PT. And the Academy of Sports PT is definitely different than the general makeup of the APTA. Um, 
of course, I, I think most of us know that the profession is predominantly female in regards to uh, the Association of uh, Physical Therapy. Um, but in the Academy of Sports PT, it's actually more predominantly male. Right. And so there, there's still some diversity. There's a lot of diversity work to do in, the, in that organization as well, not just from um, the perspective of uh, race and ethnic backgrounds, but gender um, it, equity as well. And so really uh, trying to increase diversity among the membership, the leadership, and then even uh, presenters at some of the conferences that we host. If you kind of look through who presents at a lot of the, the national conferences, it's predominantly male as well. And so we've, we've done a lot of things um, just in the short time that we've been a committee. We've sponsored students to attend um, TSM. Uh, we have the, uh, the first annual um, medicine and scientific conference coming up in September. And the DEI committee is bringing in some good DEI uh, thinkers and, and doers um, outside of the APTA to come and present on topics related to diversity and sport and how we kind of merge those two things and how we can best serve um, our athletic population as well. And we've also hosted some happy hours where we have some difficult conversations. And one thing I've enjoyed about those happy hours that we've done with members and non-members of the Academy is that when you look at the, the makeup of people there, it's very diverse. And it's so great to hear people's different pr perspectives from their um, just you know life experiences and the, the parts of the country that they're from and just being able to have open conversations about different topics related to diversity equity and inclusion, and just hoping to provide a safe space for people to talk about those difficult topics and being able to kind of mobilize them to have those difficult conversations in their respective places of work or living. Yeah. I love that you guys are doing this. Um, I love how you're doing it too. When you mentioned happy hours, like, well, I thought I already think it's going to be a great success. Um, Absolutely. What, what they found, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of reading a book and I feel like whenever I'm reading a book, a lot of conversations I get into, I'm like, oh, I'm reading this book. And they're talking about this thing that relates. Like you find these parallels. And uh, they were talking about what, what goes into making a good team. Um, and they said uh, there were three elements, okay? One was the degree of empathy of the individual members. The second thing was the environment, if it was open to free discussion, as in like, if I say something, Deidre's not going to like jump down my throat and I'm not going to feel like I can, I can, I can share. And the third, Deidre, do you know what the third thing was? The third factor that went in that was actually objective, they could measure it to make a team more uh, that would work better. It was the inclusion of females. So it was, and so they, they, the author was kind of postulating of why that would be, but those were the three elements that went into it. So when you say we're having discussions and there's happy hours with members and potential members within the academy, um, you're creating a space that people can have a conversation where they're not going to feel judged. If you're there to truly listen, it's saying that you're empathetic at least. And you're saying mm -hmm. that females are underrepresented in the academy and you're looking to remedy that. You're looking to say, we're going to open the doors. Um, and those were the three elements for having a great, uh, it was effective Effective teamwork was what they were, was what they were mentioning, T uh, team problem solving. And those were the three things that popped. It was not, it was not IQ. 
It was not even experience in the problem. It was those three things, uh, empathy, open communication, and the inclusion of females within a group. So I think you guys are off for, I think you guys are intentional. I've noticed that um, with the with the Sports Academy before, very intentional about the things that they created, the science and research conference. We need more science and research in this. So what did you do? You created a conference for it because if it doesn't exist, yeah, yeah. you need, you need to, to create it. Uh, as Leanne Carruthers wants to know, what the uh, the name of the book that I'm re- I'm reading, Leanne? It is uh, if I understood you, would I have this look on my face? And that is the title from Alan Alda, from Mash, and he was talking about how to get people to um to be able to relate and and be able to communicate and understand each other. Um, so so good on you for doing all those things. You're also a centennial scholar for the Sports Academy. I would like you to like just make sure you tell people what a centennial scholar is because I feel like that phrase is being thrown around a lot in this centennial year of APTA's hundredth hundredth uh, birthday. So what is it, and then what are you what do, what do you get to do with that? <laughs> uh, great question. So the Centennial Scholar Program is um, part of the APTA's commitment to its future in celebrating its one hundred year anniversary. And so with the program, they're bringing in uh, young leaders within the profession to learn more about leadership development, uh, strategic planning for organizations, and really just trying to promote some, um, really just developing leaders for the future of the APTA. And so we have uh, webinars and meetings on a monthly basis uh, with great uh, thought leaders and great content to help us develop as leaders. But we are also working on our individual capstone projects that we're doing for our sponsoring organization. So my component is the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy. And my capstone project that I'll be working for the remainder of the year is uh, developing an injury risk reduction toolkit for physical therapists and really other sports medicine professionals. And what I'm doing is taking the research that's been out there and developing an easy to digest practical toolkit for people to use to help reduce injuries among athletes um, across all levels of sport. And so since I'm, I'm doing a project in relation to uh, uh, injury risk reduction, uh, it, of course, it's fitting that I'm a Centennial Scholar for the Academy of Sports PT. I love that. Yeah, I wanted to just draw more attention because are there 100? There's a hundred centennial scholars, right? I think there are. Yeah. We, I think we started off the program with maybe just short of a hundred, but we're, we're at full hundred now, hundred scholars across the country. Sponsored by the various state chapters, as well as the components of the, uh, the APTA, something just, I mean, again, intentional, we'd like more leaders. We'd like, we'd like, you know, we'd like to increase uh, the amount of leaders. How do you do that? Well, you need to develop a program and you need to say, Calling people who would like to be a leader, we would like to teach you how to be a leader because a title does not a leader make. So the fact that this is a year-long program and you're you're having to do something, you well, I should say you mm-hmm. get to do something in terms of a, a capstone project that is meaningful to you because that's when you're going to do it. And number two, useful for the people that are around you. That's great. I, 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 when I heard about this program, uh, I think it was like a year, year and a half ago, I was really excited that I was going to that it was coming to fruition because I just thought it was intentional and something that was needed. Yeah, absolutely. And there are a ton of great projects being produced by the other Centennial Scholars. I'm really excited. Um, I think our last meeting is kind of like a presentation 
of all the different work that's being done over the course of the year. And so it's really a great way to celebrate 100 years. Um, you're giving back to your members by training them to be leaders for the future. But in return, uh, the participants in the program are doing some great work that will really push the profession forward as well. Yeah, there's a give and there's a get on both ends. And I think I think both ends are winning on this one. Um, last thing I wanted to talk on, I wanted to talk about your experiences as a minority physical therapist that others should be aware of. I feel like if I'm not creating, if I'm not creating this space and giving you the space to do this, um, it's disingenuous. I, I think the only way we can, the only way we can truly start to understand it is by listening to understand. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to, to, to talk about any aspect of that that you think would be important. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like it began for me where I, where I kind of started to realize that something needed to change as a student and being out on clinical rotations and realizing that I was the only woman of color in the clinic or person of color in the clinic. And uh, then it started to become a repetitive sighting for me. So going into a new clinic, oh, I'm the only one here. I'm the only one here. And um, so I think uh, that's really what fueled my passion to, to really be intentional about promoting diversity within the profession and to be you know, actively involved in that as well. And what stands out to me the most, I can't really say I've experienced overt racism as a physical therapist, which I'm, I'm grateful for. Um, but what stands out to me the most is when I do work with patients who look like me and they're always so surprised to learn that I'll be their provider. And, um, and then they're also like very endearing and say, I'm so proud of you. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have a provider who looks like me, understands some of the difficulties I may face to get here for a treatment session and things of that nature. And so I really think it, um, it speaks volumes to me when patients, uh, their face is kind of like surprised and bewildered when I come to get them from the, the waiting room and then also kind of excited at the same time that um, they may have a PT who, who looks like them. And so I think that's really what has fueled my passion for promoting diversity within the profession as well. And I'm proud to, to say that I felt began to feel more comfortable just being my natural self. There are times when, when I first was an early career professional, I thought I had to talk a certain way, um, have my hair a certain way and things of that nature. But I, it's things that other physical therapists probably don't even have to think about. But right. as a minority physical therapist, you're thinking about how people perceive you um, in ways that other people don't have to think about. And so it's just an added burden of being a minority in a healthcare setting. But um, things are getting more progressive. And that's, that's encouraging. And really, it just creates a, a more welcoming space as a minority PT. And I hope things continue to get, to get better. And I really hope I start seeing people who look like me in clinics that I work and serve in and in the communities that I serve in. Deidre, thank you for sharing that. I think, I think you highlighted many of the reasons of why DEI strategies and actions are important and need to be given more attention. I think that story that that story highlights it. Uh, I love that you were excited that your patients were excited to see you. Uh, I would like to see a long-term goal of that being closer to ex expected. I would like I mean, right. let's be let's have that as as an expected experience. 
of you not having to feel that and your patient not having to necessarily get excited about that because it is in fact expected. Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely. Uh, we have a tradition on the show. It's called three questions. Are you ready for three questions? I think so. I think so. Take a little quick, uh, quick hit off the Chardonnay. We'll do three questions right now. All right, three questions brought to you by our friends from Fusion Medical Staffing. Uh, let your PT or PTA license take you where you want to go. Seriously. Uh, find them online at fusionmedstaff.com. Leaders in travel physical therapy. Positions are opening up all over the place. I mean, a lot. They're talking about three, four 400% more month over month. So if you're thinking about, te- I like saying test driving an area of the country. If you're like, hey, I want to move to the Pacific Northwest, uh, maybe go test drive it. Be a travel PT for three months. Get paid to go chill out there and then decide, do I want a long-term experience? Fusion does that too. Uh, Find them online, fusionmedstaff.com. All right, Deidre, first question is a where question. You're based out of North Carolina. But if you could go anywhere in the 50 U.S. states and do what you do, where's somewhere you wouldn't mind going? I think I would love to go back to Navarre Beach in Florida. Okay. It's on the it's on the Gulf Coast of Florida, but the the waters make you feel like you're in the Maldives. Like you would not know that you're even within the continental US. Um and it's a very small quaint, it's like a hidden gem in Florida. And my best friend and I went there a couple years ago and I loved it. It's not touristy, very low key. The beach is my happy place, and that was that's one of my favorite beaches in the U.S. Love places like that. Can't go wrong. I heard uh, I heard something the other day. It said uh, if you have a problem, uh, the solution is uh, is salt. Either comes in ocean water, sweat, or tears. One of those three things is going to solve your problem. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Or on a ring of a margarita. So either way, you've got salt. Will solve. That's your where problem. I thought you were going with that. <laughs> Second question on three questions is a what question. What is something that you've read or watched or listened to? A book, a movie, a podcast, anything that you think the audience could get value from? Um, uh, one of the the most recent books that I've finished, I have a lot of books, I'll admit, that I've started and have not Me finished. Um, Me too. I'm one of those people. <laughs> but one of the most recent books I finished was um, Becoming by Michelle Obama. And yeah. Very inspirational book. Love it. She just seems like the most down-to-earth person. I feel like I know her as a person and um, just a very, very great read. Very great sign, read and very inspiring. Sign of a good writer, sign of someone who has something to say when they can bring you in and make you feel close. That's when someone knows how to use words very well. Uh, last question on three questions is a who question. Who is someone the audience should know more about? I'm going to have to shout out my colleague, Tiffany Adams with APTA North Carolina. She's actually the Centennial Scholar for APTA North Carolina, and she is the co-chair of the DEI committee here in North Carolina, and she is leading some great work in our DEI committee, and she really helps me to be, um, has guided me in being intentional and strategic with some of these initiatives that I'm leading and being thoughtful in how to make sure it's sustainable and can be passed down to other people behind me and to make sure the burden isn't um, 
isn't too much to carry by myself. So she is a, she's a great person. Uh, she would be great on the show. She was actually on the panel for the uh, Linda Woodruff lecture uh, following um, that amazing lecture that um, was given uh, a few weeks ago. Um, so I think she is someone that everyone should know more about. Love it. I, just, I mean, just hearing you talk about her, you're like, you're the whole face lit up right there. So that, that, I mean, that, that can never go wrong. It's pretty All right. awesome. All right. We'll get Tiffany on the show. I love that. Uh, that is three questions from our friends, again, from Fusion Medical uh, Staffing. Find them online, fusionmedstaff.com, leaders in hashtag travel PT. The last thing we do on the show, Deidre, is the parting shot. Let's do that. All right, parting shot brought to you by our, our friends at the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. If you're looking to level up your orthopedic game, a lot of people were sharing the results on Twitter, on Instagram, of getting that board certification. If an OCS is something in your future, if that's something you're like, I don't know, I don't know how to get there, uh, they've got a course for you, an independent study course called Current Concepts of Orthopedic physical therapy it is a roadmap from where you are doesn't matter where you are it's a map that's how maps work doesn't matter where you are to exactly where you need to be to take that ocs exam it'll get you right there so look into it if you're just thinking about it they're the leaders they'll get you there orthopt.org all right teacher time for your parting shot your last chance for either mic drop moment to reiterate a point something you want just want the audience to be thinking about as we wrap up today's episode the floor is yours Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Jimmy, for having me on the show today. Uh, I guess my parting shot would be just to remind people that uh, there's a lot of conversation around DEI. Uh, and there's a lot of research being done as well. You don't have to have a PhD to to make a difference in the um, in the space of DEI, really just have to have a heart for it. And really just get out in your community and do the work. And so I think anyone can do it, share your story with others and uh, serve your community. And I think that's the best way for us to increase awareness about PT as a profession and to make a difference for societal health. Things will only change if most of us get involved. Just, just saying or thinking it's a good idea. That's, that's nice, but that won't move. That's not going to move the needle. You need to do, you need to be intentional. As you mentioned, talking about Tiffany Adams, uh, Deidre, thanks for all the things that you're doing for the profession, for your state, for your Academy as a scholar, as uh, leading efforts. I mean, honestly, I had to take a breath there, just listing all the things that you were doing. So thanks for, for doing all the things that you do and uh, appreciate you stopping by on the show. Absolutely. Jimmy, thank you for having me. Follow us online. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PT Pinecast. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet.
ptpintcast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.